if we had a pipe organ, that would drown out any instrumento. <laughs> it would. If you have ten, if you have a hundred thousand dollars, if you have a hundred thousand dollars to donate, or more, are they going to play their prelude? Is this on? Okay. Okay. Good morning. We welcome you to the service today. Uh, I'm glad to be here, uh, but I'm sorry about the circumstances that made that possible. Okay. Uh, but the Lord's in control of everything. Uh, we welcome you and uh, trust that you had a, a blessed Christmas and a happy new year. And we need to pray about this year that the Lord would be with all of us. Uh, we do not know what one year, one day will bring forth, let alone a whole year. But God is good, and we come today together to worship him. And so um, <clears throat> I am to make announcements and open the service. So um, I, don't, I haven't really been given any announcements. I know that you have your regular ministry schedule, and you probably already know what that is, you know who your pastor is and the office hours. And <laughs> so um, you have Sunday school and on Tuesdays you have a coffee shop theology and a prayer meeting on Wednesday and the Sunday school opportunities. And many of those announcements have, you've already been seen them up there. So um, that is as much as um, that I can uh, share with you. Okay. So... Um, I have a call to worship, and I'm going to be sharing 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice in you, thanking you for your goodness. And this day, you have made this day, and we've come together to worship. We thank you that you um, has, have set aside a day for us to come together and worship you. We pray you will bless the service, be honored and glorified through it. Speak to our hearts, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, we have a praise team, and they're going to do some praise songs. Okay. Good morning. morning. Happy New Year, everybody. Everybody still in the Christmas spirit? Because we're going to do some Christmas songs. If we could stand and you could sing with us, please, thank you. We got some help on these songs too, so take it away, Dan. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. They're all familiar carols play. sweet their songs repeat peace on earth goodwill to men and the bells are ringing like a choir they're singing in my Honor, goodwill to man. 
despair I bowed my head There is no peace on earth I said Hate is strong and mocks the song Peace on earth, goodwill to men But the Chao.
bleak midwinter Oh, creation grows For a world in darkness Frozen like a stone Light is breaking In a stable for a throne And he shall reign Forevermore, forevermore And he shall reign Forevermore, forevermore Unto us a child is born
Okay, thank you, praise team. Okay, it's prayer time now, um, and we would entertain requests. I would say that um, <clears throat> I've received some emails from the conference, and I know that pastors Jeff Shell and also Nathan Fry. They need our prayers. The most recent update is that both of them are gradually improving. Um, I think they're both out of the hospital. Um, if anyone else has a more recent update than I have, I would you know appreciate. There's also some other people who they requested prayer for in regard to coronavirus um, situation. Um, and of course, we're going to pray for Charles and his family. Okay. Okay. Any uh, prayer requests that you want to share with us today and you'd like us to pray about? Okay, well, I know we can bring our own individual requests to the Lord, you know. And so, well, uh, let's look to the Lord together as we pray. Father, it's good to know you. We thank you that you are the creator of this world and this earth and creator of us. You have a purpose for us. We thank you for this church and for all the members and friends of First EC Church in Palmyra. We ask you, Lord, to um, be with us today and each day as we are at the beginning of a new year, we pray that you will guide us, uh, lead us in the way you want us to go and help us to respond to that. We pray, Lord, that um, we could rejoice in you and be thankful for all you've done for us and for who you are and for your presence daily with us. We pray, Lord, for our country and ask you to be with our nation and the leaders of our land. And there are many things that are uh, going on. And so, Lord, may you uh, intervene. May you also speak and move. And we pray that people would look to you for leadership. Lord, we pray that you will be with us as a denomination, Evangelical Congregational Church. We pray for our leaders. For Bishop Hill, be with him as there's going to be a transition. And uh, we pray that uh, you'll be with him as he is working with Randy Sizemore. Uh, and uh, when the time comes at conference that Randy will be installed into, as the new bishop. Prepare him, too, and the congregation out in Dixon, Illinois. Pray for Jeff Shell, be with him as he's the pastor of Mannheim. And we pray for the people there and for him, help he and his wife, family. And we pray, Lord, that you'll help him to grow stronger. Be with Nathan Fry. Help him, too, uh, to recover from uh, coronavirus. Pray for his family. We know he's still young, and we ask you to help him. Be with Charles Walker and his family, not able to be with us today. For his son, may he 
grow stronger and um, be healed. We pray for others who have suffered from this uh, situation, those who have lost loved ones, and we pray that you would comfort their hearts and their lives. We know that you know what's best, even though we don't understand. So help us daily to trust in you. Um, Father, bless this church and the leaders here. We pray, Lord, that you would bless the message today and the service. We pray, Lord, you'd have your will and your way in our hearts and our lives. Thank you that as we come to you, you hear us, you know, you understand. And we ask all these favors and blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. have here uh, a hymn that's coming and then a scripture reading I believe so uh, that's what we'll do Happy New Year. Um, today's reading comes from the book of 1 Corinthians. It is chapter 13, and I'll be reading out of the New International Version. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. 
If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For when we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Okay, thank you for the scripture reading. Um, this passage is known as the great love chapter. It's a beautiful passage of scripture in its poetical form, but also as prose. This morning we want to look at four major characteristics of love. It is by design and not by accident that chapters 12 and 14, that 13 is right in the middle of those. The Corinthians were filled with pride, arrogance, and carnality. Idolatry was very prevalent this carried over into the church. They enjoyed bragging about their spiritual gifts. Most of all have seen birds like peacocks, and they spread their feathers, and you know, they're a proud lot. They look beautiful. And if there are any hunters here this morning, and if you hunt turkeys, you know that the gobblers, they love to um, do their gobbling and uh, setting out their feathers before the hens. Roosters also, they seem to love doing this. I don't know if you've ever been amongst the flocks of chickens and, and the roosters, how they will flog you if they're protecting the hens in their territory. These, these birds, they like to protect their territory and, and they like to show off uh, their beautiful feathers. And uh, <clears throat> even Big Bird on Sesame Street, he does his thing too. So any of the children who are here today could probably identify with that. In chapter 12, Paul names uh, the spiritual gifts. And he introduces to us to the many different spiritual gifts. But he points out that there is one Lord and one Holy Spirit who distributes them. There is a gift of wisdom, gift of the words of knowledge, gifts of faith, gift of healing, gift of miracles, gift of prophecy, 
gift of discernment of spirits and the gift of tongues and the interpreting of tongues. Then addresses the need for unity and diversity in the body of Christ. Paul gives an illustration here of our bodies, and we can easily understand it. We have many parts to our body, but there is one whole. One body, but many members. And what he's saying is that in the body of Christ, it's the same thing. He says, uh, we can't say to our eyes, we don't need our ears, and you know, or where's the taste, uh, the, the, you know, and the smell, and, and uh, if your hand and your foot. You need all of these parts. And in the church, we need all of these parts as well. So we are one body and one completeness. So there are many parts to not only our physical body, but there are many parts to ministry in the church. So Paul even talks about our presentable parts and our unpresentable parts and how every part requires special treatment. And so in the body of Christ. And in chapter 14, it follows 13, Paul talks about the proper use of these spiritual gifts. He says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, but make sure that you use them to edify the body of Christ and not just to enhance one's own self. And in chapter 14, Paul once again uses a wonderful illustration. It has to do with music. And the praise team should be able to identify with what is being said here. Um, Paul, when dealing with musical instruments, talking about notes and all of this, um, in an orchestra, we know that there are different sections. There are the strings, and there is the brass, and the woodwinds, and the percussion. And even vocalists can be a part of an orchestra. If they decide that one section is going to play Beethoven fifth, and another is going to play Bach, another is going to play Handel, and another is going to play Brahms, you know, or even if we're going to become, shall we say, patriotic and want something from Irving Berlin, you know, if, if every, you know whenever I go to a concert and I hear, the, uh, hear them warming up, I don't know about you, but when they're warming up, it, it, it doesn't sound so great. Everybody's doing their own thing to get warmed up, aren't they? Absolutely. So <clears throat> we have to be careful about this. It's the same thing in the, in the church in our way of doing things. You see, all instrumentalists and vocalists have a practice and warm-up session, but togetherness is required for there to be harmony. Paul says to us, excel, excel in what builds up the church. In your worship, in your meetings, in your times of fellowship, everything needs to be done uh, in a fitting and orderly way. So at the end of chapter 12, Paul says, I will show you even a more excellent way. And in the beginning of chapter 14, Paul says, follow the way of love. And so we're going to examine these four letters in the word love this morning. This is a four-letter word that is one of the most beautiful. You know, people talk about four-letter words. I want to tell you something. There's nothing like the four-letter word of love. K 
Okay, we abuse most of those other four-letter words, but this one we need to exalt. Okay, and so uh, the first letter is L, and love is light in verses 1 through 3. In Genesis 1, 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And Genesis is a book of beginnings. So God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning on the first day. There's also a beginning in chapter 1 of St. John, And this is a special beginning as well. And I'm going to read some verses there. And they will be verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word. Here it means Christ, Jesus. So when I read this, I'm going to use the word Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and, through, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was a very important part of creation. At creation, the Trinity, the Godhead, was all present. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And they spoke everything into creation. And so, Jesus was a part of that that came down to earth and took on human flesh. And he is light. John 3, verses 19 and 20, Jesus said, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, will not come into the light, for fear that their deeds will be exposed. We hear about criminals. People commit crimes all the time. We hear it on the news, I think, practically Every day and every evening, this is on the news. Criminals love to commit their crimes under the cover of darkness. Now, some are very brazen these days, and even 
They, they commit their crimes in the light of day. That's how brazen that this kind of thing has become. But they love the darkness, and we need to love the light. In John eight twelve, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And in 1 John 1, verses 5 through 7, we read, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 9-11, through 11, we read these words. Anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates his brother or sister, is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates their brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. We have a biblical illustration that John gives us in 1 John and chapter 3, verses 11 through 15. For God, for this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did the murder why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life. Because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in them. In the gospel writings, Jesus made reference to this fact. That is that he equates murder with hatred. This is kind of serious. There seems to be a lot of hate in the world in which we live. Hate is a strong emotion. And sometimes we feel in our anger, hatred. But let's think about Cain, who slew his brother because... Abel's offering was more pleasing to God than what Cain's was. And so because God rejected his offering, he took his brother out and he slew him. He was the first murderer. Murders still occur in our world because of a love for power, and because of greed. God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. 
we can be so thankful that it is true that he loves the sinner. These are two things. They're difficult to separate. At times when we, when we see sinner, we see the sin, and it's difficult. Only God in his perfect nature can separate sin from a sinner. But because of his love and his having light, he takes that light and he shines that on our sin. And at times we say, I don't like that, God. You're showing me something I don't want to see. But because the light is bright and he wants to help us in our own life to be more like him, that is why he shines that light. And he wants to drive out the darkness that's there. We need to let him do that because that's the best thing for us. So hate is full of darkness, but love is full of light. Let's move on to the second letter, and that letter is O. Love is omnipotent, verses 4 through 7. One of God's attributes is his omnipotence. What does that mean? God is all-powerful. Love is very... Very powerful, whether we use it as a noun or a verb. But this morning we want to zero in specifically on it being used as a noun. This means that love is an act of our will and volition and not just an emotion. This type of love is patient. And you've probably said this, Lord, give me patience and I want it right now. You ever said that? Often. I want to be a patient, but I need it right away. Love is kind in the things we say and do. Please, thank you, and excuse me, are the nicest things to say. We need to use words like, you did a good job. I love and appreciate you. You mean so much to me. I couldn't have done it without you. Your contribution was invaluable. These are kind and loving words. Love also is not envious. It doesn't covet what others have in their gifts, whether they're spiritual or material gifts, and their possessions. Love doesn't boast and brag about oneself. There just seems to be at times, at least when I was growing up in, when I was in college and seminary, there were a lot of seminars on self-esteem. So maybe too many on self-esteem, self-image, self-worth, self-confidence, self-assertion, self-assurance, self-expression, self-reliance, and self-fulfillment. And most of us are too self-willed, too self-righteous, and too self-indulgent. Love is not proud. The Greek word for I is ego. And the big I is at the center of too many people's lives because they are on an ego trip. Let us remember that I, the letter I, is in the middle of pride and the letter I is in the middle of sin. And because of that, we need to be thinking about, okay, let us not center our world around ourselves. The Lord doesn't want us to. There is a power that he has. He can help us to to, um, 
not do that. You see, Satan fell from heaven because of this horrible sin called pride. In Proverbs 16, 18, it tells us, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Love isn't rude, but is considerate of others. Love isn't peevish or ill-tempered. Doesn't fly off the handle so fast, not without a really good reason. There are times that the Bible says, be angry, but sin not. There's another thing that as we look at it, it is not an easy thing to separate. You be angry, but don't sin in our anger. Love doesn't seek revenge or retaliation. You ever felt that way? Love is forgiving. Forgiveness is a powerful act of love. The words, I forgive you, are some of the most powerful words in healing relationships. Jesus gave us several illustrations. Prodigal son, for example. He said to his father, I want my share of the inheritance. Give it to me and I want to go and do with it what I want to do with it. The father probably was reluctant, but he, he saw that was what he wanted to do and just was so bent on doing, so he gave him his share of the inheritance. And he went to a foreign country and there he wasted his Inheritance in riotous living. And then there was a famine and he was feeding pigs and he found himself in this horrible mess and he repented. And he said, I'm going to go back to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against you in heaven and earth and I'm no longer worthy to be considered your son, but make me one of your hired servants. But when the father saw him and his great love and compassion, he was looking for him to return and he ran and he kissed him and he embraced him. And he says, bring a ring and put on his finger, bring sandals and put on his feet, bring a robe and put on him. And if kill the fatted calf for this son of mine, he was he was lost and now he's found and he was dead and now he's alive and we must celebrate. And we could learn some lessons from the older son. But we move on to um, another illustration, and that is uh, the Good Samaritan. There was a man, a Jew, traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves. And they beat him up and stole everything he had, stripped him, and a priest came along and passed on the other side, didn't help him. A Levite, a religious, another religious leader, He did the same thing. And then a Samaritan, half Jew, half half, um, Gentile, came along. Someone who was hated by the Jews. And he came along and he found them alive. He poured on oil and wine. He helped them. He took them to an inn. And he said to the innkeeper, help this person. He gave him money. He says, and if it costs more than I have given you when I return I will, I will pay it. Who was the one who uh, showed love? It was the Good Samaritan. Love always protects, always hopes, always perseveres. Love is powerful in that it produces the fruit of the Spirit. And so we have to look to God's love to help us be people who are living out and producing 
the fruit of the Spirit. Ephesians 5, and 23 gives us these fruit of the Spirit. It's love, the very first one, love. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and this is a good self, self-control. Now, in many ways, I don't want to just brush over these or run through them, but, you know, time won't allow for a great expounding upon all of those, but they're so very, very important. Against such thing, there is no law. We turn to Colossians, and here in chapter 3, I want to read verses 12 through 17. Paul, in writing to the Colossians, said this to them, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms and hymns and songs, with spirit in the spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In Philippians 4, 8, we read, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. This type of love is the most positive and powerful force in the world. Love can help us and motivate us to do things that we know in ourselves we didn't have the power to do. I think of an illustration that came to my mind. Corey Ten Boom. What happened in her life? Well, she was in the concentration camps in Germany. Probably what you consider on death row. But it wasn't by an accident, but by design she was released. And then as she was going out and speaking, one of those guards who had whipped her and treated her terrible came up to her after one of the speaking engagements and said, I don't know if you remember me, Fraulein, but I was one of the guards at the prison, and I hope that you can forgive me. And she said, I didn't have the power in myself to take my hand and shake his, but God gave it to me. And I reached out and shook his hand. 
what power there is in God's love. The third letter is V. Love is vicarious. Vicarious, the dictionary meaning says this, performed or endured by one person substituting for another. Fulfilled by the substitution of the actual offender with some other person or thing. It is accepting and receiving punishment for the offenses of another. Now, I know I've been using mostly illustrations here in the New Testament, but I'm going to use a couple in the Old just to demonstrate. First of all, a man by the name of Joseph. Now, I know he was a favorite son of Jacob, but... He was mistreated by his brothers, and he was, uh, they tore off his wonderful tunic. King James says a coat of many colors. And they threw him in a pit. Along come the Ishmaelites. They get him out, and they sell him. He becomes a slave, and then he's accused falsely, and he's put in prison. But God delivers him, and he becomes second in command in Egypt. But there was a famine. And his brothers came down. He recognized them. They didn't recognize him. But the power he had, oh, he could have taken revenge and retaliation so quick. They could have been gone. But he loved them. And he, he, he just would not. And so he, he wept with tears. And he forgave them. And he, and he invited them down. And they came down to Egypt uh, for another like five years of famine and they were living there with him until he died and afterwards and we probably know um, the rest of that story but we can also think of another act of vicarious love and that is Ruth the book of Ruth is once again a very poetic book it's a, it's, it's a romantic book it's a book of love but in the heart, in the very middle of that, not only did, did Ruth love Naomi, her mother-in-law, and she moved to Bethlehem there, but Boaz was a relative, and he was a kinsman redeemer, and he exercised that right and that power. He bought back. He redeemed the land for Naomi. And this is what it is like in this sense that vicarious love was at work. And along comes in the lineage of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So we look at him here in Philippians chapter 2, this great passage of scripture um, in verses 6 and following. Verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge 
and of course confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus' vicarious or substitutionary love and sacrifice for us didn't fail us, and it never will. The prophecies about Jesus coming as the promised Messiah has been fulfilled as the Old Testament prophets proclaimed. Isaiah 53 is a great example of this. In Hebrews 7.27, we read, Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sin and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. God's voice spoke at Jesus' baptism and on the Mount of Transfiguration. And what did he say? This is my beloved son. Listen to him. We read also about the last seven words of Jesus from the cross in the Gospels. He spoke words of redemption, words of love, words of compassion, and words of forgiveness to everyone in the whole world, but particularly to the thief on the cross who said to him, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, what? Today you will be with me in paradise. In John 3, verses 14 and 15, Jesus says, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And he was referring to the cross. And John 3, 16, by a no accident, follows. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And also in 1 John 3.16, very much the same, we read these words, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. In John 10.11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd does what? He lays down his life for the sheep. And in John 15, 12, and 13, Jesus said, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is vicarious and sacrificial love. We do at times honor our military people and appreciate what they have done our police force, our firemen, our medical emergency personnel, they make sacrifices. When they're called upon to go, they go. And we need to show more appreciation to them because they are making sacrifices. So they make sacrifices for the good of others. In Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, Jesus gives us the two greatest commandments. In answering a question that was asked him, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your, your mind, your soul, and strength, 
And the second, that's just the first and greatest commandment. The second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, these two commands, on, on the law and the prophets, hang these commandments. We must pay, uh, we must put away childish things and grow up in our Christian life. It takes mature Christian love to make sacrifices for the Lord and for others. The fourth letter is E. Love is eternal, verses 12 and 13. Folks, I know I don't need to tell you this, but eternity is forever. And so we need to be thinking about, it may not be the most pleasant thing to think about, but we need to think about life after this life, because there is one. And so this love is eternal, eternal in nature. Spiritual gifts are given for the ministry of the church age. All these gifts are useful now, but when the church age ends, so will the need for all of these spiritual gifts. In Matthew 24, 35, Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, we read, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. How good it is. How good today? I ask you this question. How good is your spiritual eyesight? Are you looking ahead? Are your eyes fixed on heaven and eternity? The image of things in this life and on this earth can become distorted and out of focus. Sometimes we get confused. You know, why is this happening? Why is that? You know, in my prayer time this morning, I meant to remember the fact that, once again, terrible storms hit the South and, and Kentucky, and, and, all, we, they, and they're being flooded out, okay? You can ask the question, you know, we can't anticipate something like that. And when it comes, we can only look ahead as much as we can look ahead, but, but sometimes we, we, things get out of focus. When things like that happen to people, they can't think straight. They're confused. It's a mess, okay? It hurts. And when people hurt, you know, there's a lot of hurt going on. But, you know, glasses or contact lenses can be helpful. I had great eyesight, 20, 20 or better. The thing is, when I became 45, when I was reading small print, things began to run together. So I go to the optometrist and he says, you know, you got a stigma here. And, and so, you know, get some reading glasses and so on. And then later on, I find out I have macular degeneration in my right eye. And, you know, cataracts are beginning, this kind of thing. You know, it, it happens. So things don't look the same when I try to read as they once did. But life also can get out of focus for us. Especially when we are in pain. Uh, the mirrors we have are much better for us than the ones that they had in ancient times. But when we see Jesus face to face, face to face, he will be clearer than the sun and more bright than crystal. 
Looking forward to that day. I hope you are too. Faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. That is because love is eternal and it will remain forever. Love is going to be in the heaven that I read about in Daniel and Revelation. Deuteronomy 33:27. Moses said this to the children of Israel. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. We need to learn how to show and practice Christian love here on earth because love will be in heaven and because love is forever. So today we have discovered that love is light. That is, you know, it's, it's, it's very bright. Love is omnipotent, very powerful. Love is vicarious, it's sacrificial. And love is eternal, it will last forever. And these are four major characteristics of Christian love. So today we've been talking about agape love or Christian love. This is a Christ-like love. In John 13, 34, and 35, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In 1 John 4, verses 7 through 21, I'm not going to read that passage, don't have the time, but it is very clear in this passage about how much God loves us and how much we should love God and one another. The greatest attribute of God is his holiness. Um, and a part of his holiness is his love. God's holiness is eternal and God's love is eternal. And that means Forever. In Revelation 2 and 3, Jesus has a message to the seven churches in Asia Minor. And when I think about what has happened to those churches, whenever news is on about Turkey and about all of those Macedonian churches and everything, I wonder. Jesus, of course, could look ahead and he could see many of those churches. They're gone. What is the predominant religion there? Islam. It breaks my heart that the Apostle Paul worked so hard to start those churches, and yet, and he gave sacrifice after sacrifice, and yet, they went downhill and they are no more. But Jesus, through John, he says this to us. First of all, to the church at Ephesus, he tells them that they have lost their first love, and they need to get it back. Ouch. Those of us who are married, if we feel like our spouse has lost their first love, it hurts, doesn't it? To the church at Laodicea, he tells them that their love for him is lukewarm and that he's about to spit them out of his mouth. Ouch. Amen? I don't know which of these two is, which one is worse. But in Revelation 3, 19 through 22, Jesus said to the church at Laodicea, and he says it to us. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. So whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
I trust that you were listening and that you heard what the Lord had to say about love today. Now, we're facing a new year, 2022. As I shared with Charles what I was thinking about in, in, in this scripture passage, he says, that's probably a very good beginning to a new year. And I agree. We need to make love our aim, Christian love, to love God and serve him each day of this year. It's a new year, it's a new beginning, and, you know, I'm not talking resolutions. I mean, just make commitments to God that you'll be more what he wants you to be. And, and that's all he asks. So today, let the Lord minister to you and help you too. He'll give you the power, the strength, the ability to, to love others, to love him more and as he would want you to. Let's pray. Lord, you love us. We thank you. Help us to love you in return and to love others as you want us to, to love. It's not always easy, but it is something you ask of us and want us to do, and you will help us in it. Bless us this year. Be with us as we follow you. Lead us in the direction you want us to go and help us to respond to that and go where you ask us to go and do what you want us to do, that which is pleasing in your sight. Go with us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, not only will time, probably not a lot, but uh, I'm not really prepared for the kind of dialogue that you're accustomed to. You know, um, and so um, what we would do is uh, we will have our uh, closing part in the service.
Okay, we want to have a benediction. Let's look to the Lord. Guide us this day and this year. Be with us all. Go with us now with your presence. Dismiss us with your blessing. In the name of the triune Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.